Uh, happy Fourth of July. I have a message, Fourth uh, of July message. I think it's going to be in the second service, mostly. Uh, but I'll tell you, if there was ever a verse that's alive in our nation right now, it's if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do, you know? And that's Psalm 11. I think we'll probably read that in the second service. But uh, he gave me a specific assignment. Actually, it's only a seven-minute drive from my house to here. Why he waits until that seven minutes sometimes. Well, I started to say, I don't know why he does. I do know why he does that, so I don't have time to mess it up. <laughs> and I kept hearing a prophecy that was delivered through Pastor Bronk here at the prayer center in 2018. And it was during the uh, October conference, and it might have been even the last service. If it wasn't the last service, it was right near the end of the conference. And the title of it, I found it, thank God for the technology we have nowadays, you know. It's at Dave's website, 2018, October 7th, if you want to print you a copy later. But the title that they put on it is, I Have Pruned the Root to the Core. Now, see, even in 2018, their pruning had begun <laughs> in earnest. What, I, what do you mean by the pruning? Gideon's army was getting whittled down. You could tell that the, you know, there was uh, more vacant seats than there had ever been. But if we thought the pruning was something in 2018, <laughs> look around the room this morning. And so it tells me that this process has still been going on 2019, 2020, 2021. And here's a sentence that I heard. It is time to believe. It is time to believe. Now, it's always been time to believe. But I believe what he's talking about in context when I read this uh, prophecy to you. He has been preparing a group of people all of these years. I'm talking about us and others that have joined with this vision. How to function in the spirit rather than in the natural. Because there is nothing short of a supernatural revival I mean a real revival, you can call it an awakening, that is going to save this country. Uh, I thank God for good politics. I try and vote correctly. I try and vote for those that are in favor of godly principles, such as saving the unborn, you know, uh, and so many, many things. Politics are important. They really are. I don't know how you can read First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, and not understand that politics is important. But anyway, but politics is just one tool. The prayers of the righteous are the tool he's after right now. So I'm going to read this prophecy. I got to quit waiting so long because my phone keeps going black. Y'all know that <laughs> going dark, but I got it queued up here. Now, to get the full impact of this, see, look around the room. You see, you see what you see here. You know, how few are here. All right, now, understand that he was standing where I'm standing right now, in this room, because he's going to talk about this building, this building, in this prophecy. Yes, sir. Okay, and I feel like I need to tell you this ahead of time. See, what, when I say he's been training us for this, everything that we know about faith, everything that we know about hope, how God used hope to change an impossible situation for Abraham and Sarah. 
<clears throat> it was past the time of the way of women with her. She was 90 years old. He was about 100 years old. He was not a hot rod anymore himself. His wife laughed at the thought of having pleasure from her husband at that age. It was impossible. It says in Romans 4, it says, Abraham came to the place where against hope, he believed in hope. See, in the natural, there was no hope. It, many people looking around the room, and I'll tell you the truth, looking around the nation, looking around the news reports right now, people are losing hope like crazy. Okay? Why do you think he's been training us how to use godly hope? See? When I read this prophecy, now, this is the word of the Lord. I believe it as much as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to me. Now, I mean, if it's not, we just need to throw it away. Why are we even reading it? Amen. See, it's either the Lord or it's not. I believe it is the Lord. So when he says what he says in here, against hope, we're going to have to believe in hope. We're going to have to see what he says, say what he says, until we become like Abraham, fully persuaded that what God has promised, he is well able to perform. Hallelujah. He's been training us all these years for such a time as this, and it's time to put into practice what we've been taught. So now listen to this. <clears throat> uh, October 7th, 2018. I have pruned the root to the core is the title. Note these things, says the Spirit of the Lord, and see if they do not come to pass in your lifetime. Note these things and judge even the one who is saying these things, whether he is false or true. Know this. The days are coming... And not far from this time, when the glory and the presence that one brought, he's talking about Dave, okay? The glory and the presence that one brought, many will bring. He's talking about you. Says the Spirit of Grace. The saturation of his glory that I bought, that I brought through a few, will be placed on many, says the Spirit of grace. And what has seemed like at times, <laughs> I feel like going, and a long times, <laughs> even a dry season, know this, that this was not a dry season for you. My presence has never left. From even in what you would call the glory days. For some would speak in their heart and even with their mouth. I long for those kinds of services when his glory fell and his presence was so tangible. But know this. This is not a backsliding. This is not something that Satan or the flesh has brought into fruition. But I have pruned the root back all the way to the core, says the Spirit of grace, that I could bring it forth as a green tree in a dry and thirsty land. Hello, green tree. Would you say our land is dry and thirsty? For have I not said that you are the plantings of the Lord, trees of life? I will bring you forth in these last days, not that one would glory, that many would glory in my presence, and that not one would carry my presence, 
that many plantings would come into the fullness of what they have been planted for, says the Spirit of the Lord. I'd like to add right there, it is time to believe. Let me read that sentence again with that thought now, see. That not one would carry my presence, that many plantings would come into the fullness of what they have been planted for, says the Spirit of the Lord. That is you and your calling coming all the way to fullness. For the days will come... Now, get your hope ready. Massage your hoper just a moment. Hope is based on what you see, right? Okay, massage your hoper. Some of you haven't used it in a while. Get it, get it kind of limbered up. Okay, hoper, get ready. Because he's got an image for you. Just like he did with Abraham. Took him out to see the stars at night. He's got an image for you. And he's telling us, do what we've been trained to do. Okay? For the days will come in this house where not a seat will not be taken. Many will stand up against the walls and crowd the places and crowd the altars. And you will see services like you have never seen before. That'll be some services. We've seen some stuff. I've seen cripples get out of wheelchairs. Saw a woman raised from the dead right over there one time. We've seen some stuff. But we're about to see some things we have never seen before. Can you massage your hoper? <laughs> see every chair full. See all those stacked against the wall down, down on the floor. And they're all full. And people standing around the, the wall. And the altar's full. Hmm. I'm going to read, I'm going to start that paragraph again. For the days will come in this house when not a seat will not be taken. Many will stand up against the walls and crowd the places and crowd the altars. And you will see services like you have never seen before. Now is as you have heard others speak and affirm my word. Now is the time. For the laying and the continuation of soundness of doctrine. But know this. As tough as it would seem to you in the spirit that I am. At times in training you. Know this. That on the other side of that. Is more than an equal outpouring of my glory. And of my presence. So strong. You will not be able to stand. In this house. Got your hoper? Can you see B trying to just walk across the, the hall here? Has to get on all fours, you know. Standing room only. Altars crowded. And all for the glory of God, not for the glory of any man. The glory so thick, you, can, you just can't stand. Mm. Well, that's quite a different image, see, against hope. We've got to believe in hope. And we're going to have to start saying, what's the other thing God did with Abraham? He had to change what Abraham was saying. Every time Abraham talked about himself, he had no choice. He had to say, 
what God said about him? What if we say what God has said about this house? Amen? It's time to believe. What it means is it's time to put our training into action. Do not be caught up with the naysayers. Do not be caught up with the hopeless ones. Against hope, we believe in hope. Being strong in faith, giving glory to God, fully persuaded that what He has promised, He is well able to perform. Okay, I'm not, not finished yet. Because He's not finished yet. I don't know how this is going to transpire. I just know it will, because He said it. He says, not one will lead, but many will lead. Because of the presence that I will place upon them, And what they are doing in this time of pruning, says the Spirit of grace. One part of this house, this physical location, while some are being healed, others in the other part of the auditorium will be delivered and set free. Glory will fall. Presence will come. And all will be kept in order. For these last days. A presence. And a sweeping of my presence. Is coming into this house. No. K-N-O-W. Know this. This season. And he's talking about the pruning season. Is just as valuable as any season. That you have ever faced. Or thought glorious in the past. Says the spirit of grace. Now, here it is. Last paragraph. Live in great hope. Now, in order to do that, you're going to have to, against hope, believe in hope. Fill your, fill your hoper, <laughs> fill your image, fill your mind with the image that he said here. To Abraham, it seemed absolutely impossible. Now, I'm not 90 nine yet but already when I look in the mirror it's not a pretty sight (laughs) what I'm saying is at age 99 and Sarah 90 this has to look impossible especially when she's past the time of the way of women there's no egg to even fertilize anymore it had to seem absolutely impossible because it was impossible if you, if you look around the natural here, if you just look at how it has been, and, and just, if you fill your mind with that, and especially if you add your voice with the naysayers, that's not how we've been trained. That is not how he trained us. And he has told us precisely here what to do. He's given us the image. I never saw it so clear myself, the instruction until today. Even though this words have been in here since 2018, he seriously wants us to spend time, just like Abraham did, seeing what God said and saying what God said so that it comes to pass. Last paragraph. Live in great hope, for these are not words to tickle the ear nor to encourage the heart, nor to end the conference, says the Spirit of grace. These words will come to pass in the days ahead. 
I'm sorry, can we just raise our hands? Lord, I thank you that these words shall come to pass exactly as you have spoken it. What you have promised, you are well able to perform. We thank you, Lord. These words shall come to pass. I'm going to read that. I'm going to start. It's the last paragraph. I'm going to read it again. Live in great hope. For these are not words to tickle the ear, nor to encourage the heart, nor to end the conference, says the Spirit of grace. But these words will come to pass in the days ahead. That which has seemed like a dry and thirsty land will begin to be again a river of life. That which was pruned back in the Spirit and even in numeric quantity, know that it will change. It will change and you will be glad in those hours that you did not resist the pruning, but you stepped into it. And that's the end of the prophecy. Now, is that something around? That, isn't that amazing? So I, I knew he wanted me to read that, and I kept hearing, it is time to believe. Now, Abraham is called the father of the faith for both the Jew and the Gentile. I mean, he believed God before uh, he ever became a Jew. He was just, he just he, you know, God called him out of Ur of the Chaldees. He was a pagan as they come. Ur of the Chaldees, if you look up history at that time, they worshipped the moon, you know. But somehow Abraham was able to hear God. And when God would talk to him, he'd do what God said, you know. But Abraham, and then we ta- he had me teach on this just a week or two ago, he didn't start off believing God. And we went through that scripture by scripture uh, a week or two ago on a Sunday night, I think. And because uh, it says he laughed. He absolutely laughed when God said, no, you and Sarah is going to have a, have a child. It says he laughed. And the next thing he says, oh, that Ishmael might stand before you. See, Ishmael was something that Abraham could see. It was a uh, you know, bad idea, <laughs> uh, something man could do, you know. But see, this revival is not going to be something. How many are, t- I'm not going to ask that, that's Gary. I'll just say it. Gary is really tired of man-made revivals. I'm tired of revivals made by uh advertising and be what's that one skinny jeans big screens smoke machines come on <laughs> tired of that nonsense i'm not against anything really that anybody's doing it's just that's not what we're after it's time to believe and it's time to believe that he's going to work through you did you notice in there how he emphasized many he intends, it's time to believe God is going to, God, the Holy Ghost, is going to flow through the Spirit of Christ in you so that the Father continues to do the works. That's the only hope, really, for this nation. That's really the only hope. And it's got to start somewhere. It might as well start here. I don't really care if it starts a thousand places. I just want it to start. Now, when he talks about the pruning... That pruning is not just in numbers. That pr- 
What causes... No, no, okay, hang on. <laughs> Slow down. You want to hear him, not me. The pruning is more than just in numbers. Uh, I went through a great pruning myself when he had me, when he was teaching me, and then I taught the First John series. We have a subtitle. It's called the First John series subtitle, Removing the Gray from Your Gospel. Now, if you've never heard the First John series, I highly recommend it to you. It's free. It's at Dave Roberson's website. It's at Gary Carpenter's website. Uh, I highly recommend it to you. There is a pruning. You're, it will narrow your path. Pastor Bronk, after they uh, they went through the First John series at his church for a, quite a while later, he he would lead them in a confession. He'd go, "Church, are you are you saved?" And the response was, "We're First John saved," <laughs> because there's things that it pruned some things out of my life. They weren't exact. I don't know. Only God knows a lot of things. I just know this: my walk narrowed. There were things that. I was allowing that before I wasn't concerned about, but after I was concerned about, so we just pruned that off. And that's part of what's going on. If there is, and I look around this group, dear Lord, I look at this room, I don't think anybody here is still in the bars. I don't think anybody here is, uh, you know, sleeping around, uh, uh, getting drunk, uh, thieving. <laughs> Pornographian, is that a word? <laughs> I don't think so, but boy, if you're hearing me, if you're watching this, if you're hearing this and you are involved in anything like that, it is time to let the pruning, the song that was being sung just as we started was, we're opening up to the Holy Spirit. Well, it's time to open up. And if you're involved in anything that the Bible calls, you know, killer sin, especially fornication, adultery, drunkenness uh, read Galatians chapter 5 there's a list anyway I don't have those lists in front of me right now listen open up to the Holy Spirit listen to that first John series it's available come on what do you it's important we're coming near the end of the age there's no time to keep messing around so if you've got sin in your life and that, of course that does apply here too if you've got sin in your life, get it out. Then, if you get free of sin, then he's going to start talking to you about weights. Because that's in uh, Romans 12 also. And every weight that does, you know. Well, what are weights? Well, if you're running a race, the last thing you need is weights strapped around your ankles. And it's not necessarily sin, but it's sure going to slow you down. And there's things that he's going to prune out of your life that probably not sin they wouldn't send you to hell but you may never reach the fullness of your calling because you've got weights on you that's slowing you down we would call them time wasters here recently been calling them squirrels <laughs> I still feel like I ought to do a message called when squirrels attack <laughs> boy we had a couple of big squirrels this week in my house but so the pruning is not only regarding numbers again. How do I say that? I don't know how to say. It. I see when you sometimes you see something and it's hard to say. 
people run like a scalded dog from trouble. People don't like trouble. People don't like preaching. A lot of people that that uh, challenges you. You know, just tell me I'm okay. Tell me my lifestyle. Tell me, tell me I'm going to heaven when I die. Tell me, tell me again about the blood of Jesus. And we'll do that. You know. But see when. When he says, God, and I'm pre- always I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are the ones that are here. <laughs> You're the same ones that I see at prayer times and other times. But I don't mean gay. But I don't. It's the one thing to know the truth. It's another thing to do the truth. To really submit your body. A, a living sacrifice. See, I never saw it so clear as till just very, very recently. The eight operations of God. That Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And also in Ephesians chapter 4. I'm talking apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, etc. Those same operations are listed in Romans chapter 12. We went through that a week or two ago. But Romans 12 starts off with those two famous verses. I beseech you therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And here's the word. Holy and acceptable unto God. And the church for too long, if they've been presenting their body at all, hasn't been presenting it holy. But why have the words in there if they don't mean anything? So if he says present it holy, acceptable unto God, if you try and present it to him unholy, would he call that acceptable? Yes, sir. Okay, I'm going to go. I, I, I'm not prepared, and he doesn't care. <laughs> He's been preparing a message uh, from well, a series of messages about Malachi. We're going to go through Malachi like we did First John. And uh, Malachi was the last chance, last prophet of the Old Testament. God was extending Israel, and actually Judah. Israel had already been. Gone by the time Malachi prophesied. But Judah had another chance. You know, what, do you remember what tribe Jesus came out of? Judah. Tribe of Judah. Well, Malachi is the last prophet. After him, there was no prophet in the land for 400 years. This is the last thing God said. The next prophet to speak was John the Baptist announcing the Messiah had come. So Malachi Yes cut up my man. I thought this was going to be in the second service and it may be also, I don't know. I'm almost uh, there's such an intercession. I love this country. And I believe I'm picking up a little bit on God's intercession because I do believe God loves this country. God loved Israel. God loved Judah. Still does. The book of Malachi, God starts off, the very, almost the first thing he says is, I have loved you. Within the first statement or two, I have loved you. And they go, wherein have you loved us? And he starts talking to them. 
And he starts talking to them about being a father, which really they none of them could be born again yet. If he was a father to them, he wanted to be. God's always, he doesn't change. He has the heart of a father. He's always had the heart of a father. And uh, he starts talking to them. If you put it in the context, the last, this is the last chance he was giving Judah. Return to me. And he starts talking to them about, if I'm your father, where's my respect? Where's my honor? You don't. He says, even when you bring an offering, you, you don't you don't bring your best lamb. You find a blind one, or one that's broken its leg. There's one verse in there that says you even bring a stolen one. And offer it to God. He said, where is my honor? And see, he's been having me read, uh, which I never did too much before. I mean, I've read it, but he's... First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles, and then First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. Watching, watching, watching the death of a nation, the end of the age. And uh, during that time, the nation was divided into two parts. There was Israel, what they called the Northern Kingdom, and then there was Judah, which had two tribes in it. And uh, during that history, after Solomon, the northern kingdom didn't have a single righteous king. Not one good king during the rest of their history. Judah had a few. Hezekiah, a couple of others, there was a few. But what he started showing me, the pattern, even in Judah, because Malachi is prophesying, of course, to Judah. And it's after they came back, by the way, from... Uh, it's after the 70 years. And many, the scholars really disagree about the exact timing of when Malachi, but you can tell from the content that it was after or during or near the end of the time of Nehemiah and Ezra where they're rebuilding the, the wall and everything. So it's after that 70 years in Babylon. God. And he's extending his hand one more time. Return to me. It was so bad. You know, Nehemiah, one of the things that he really, God used him to, to stop, or try to stop it. <clears throat> Israel, the, the men, were divorcing their Jewish wives, the wives that bore their children, the wife of your youth. And they were, because they, they would just put them away. And they would marry women from other nations that worshipped other gods. Yes, sir. And the reason I was saying that about Judah only had a few good kings. When a good king would come, he would do good, all right. He would tear down many of the places where they worshipped idols. He would tear down the groves and he would make, you know, if there were statue or uh, idols to Baal, they would destroy that. And they would cause, uh, from the top down, from a, you know the king down, they would cause a lot of idol worshiper, idol worshiping to be done away with. But see the problem with that? I finally saw what God was talking about. And the people would obey because it was top down. You better obey because <laughs> it's the king. But see, that never produced a revival. As soon as the evil king would come back in and allow they went right back to their idol worship. 
So the problem there, there was no real revival. Even though God is doing his best to call the people back to him. I, I am your father. I am your provider. I am the one that created this nation. I am the one that delivered you from Egypt. I am the one, you know. But there was never a revival in the hearts of the people. See, we can pass laws to stop abortion the way it's been, and we should pass laws against that. I mean, you do, you do need laws in a country. But that's not really the answer, because they'll just find some other way of doing it. That is probably more dangerous for them. It's got to be a revival of heart. It's not... I don't want to say it. Talk about shedding innocent blood if ever a nation was guilty. Somewhere between 60 and 70 million babies aborted in a so-called Christian country. It is murder. It is murder. It's sacrificing to Moloch. We don't use that name, but it's no different. They did it to have a more blessed life. I remember the day it shocked me. I knew the pagans did that. I knew that they offered sacrifices to Moloch, but I didn't know until I started really researching First Kings, Second Kings, First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. I didn't know that they built a temple to Moloch almost right in the face, almost within sight of the temple to God in Jerusalem. I did not know that for a long time. I said, my goodness Israel during this time was so backslidden there were idols all through the the city to other gods America I'm I'm afraid we have done much the same I don't know how to say this God help me keep everything PG (laughs) they actually built around the temple near the end houses of (laughs) I was trying to look for a better word than prostitution but she already said it and it was hetero it was hetero prostitution and homosexual prostitution or sodomy okay that's that's the word the Bible uses the good king would come, Hezekiah, one of them. He, he drove the Sodomites out of the land. Boy, try and preach that today. I am. I am. It's got to go out of the church for sure. But, okay, the point of all that is this. There was not a revival. And without a revival, even though they would have a good king that would come and set things right, and try and enforce righteousness from the top down. And, you know, the Bible does say that the people rejoice when the righteous rule, you know. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And it is right to have a godly king with God, king, godly leader, <laughs> president in our case, and righteous laws. God, God's pleased with that. But that alone will not do it. It's got to be a revival of the people from the ground up. And that is exactly what he has called us for. That's exactly why he has pruned the root all the way back to the tree. All the way back, the tree, excuse me. He has pruned the tree all the way back to the root. Because he's got to bring forth this green tree. What does he mean by that? He means life. 
life flowing the same way it flowed through Jesus. What brought the crowds? Who is this little preacher from Nazareth? If it had not been for the signs and the wonders and the supernatural healing, the crowds would not have thronged to him. Now they would come and then he could preach. Then he'd, he'd tell them about God and you've got to repent. And you've got to, you know, love God, serve God. And uh, actually he led them all the way on in. He said, those that follow me will not walk in darkness. So he's talking about following him all the way to the new birth, see. But he had, if it hadn't been for the signs and the wonders, the crowds wouldn't have come. Yes, sir. Okay. I may read this in the next service too. I may not. This is a prophecy that came through Kenneth E. Hagin in 1980. Now, that's the year I was born again. That's been a spill. Somebody recently shared this with me. They got it from, if you want to know where they got it, they got it from Billy Brim's website. That's where I found it too. I wanted to verify it. But this was written in 1980, but as I read it, see if it does not sound like it It could have been spoken this month based on what's going on in America. The title on it that they put on it is The End of the Age. So it says here, the Lord said to Kenneth Hagin, The end of the age is coming upon this generation. The powers of darkness... The forces of evil are rampant as never before, and they will be increased in intensity and velocity. And even many Christians will see and look upon these things and say, Oh, there is no use. And they'll just throw up their hands in futility and say, Well, I guess it's all over. We'll just have to hold on and pray for Jesus to come shortly. Because the devil is about to take over everything. Well, boy, that is exactly the spirit you better fight against. Okay? That's sure the way it looks. I agree with you. Against hope, faith believes in hope. Now, let me continue, because God gives us some hope here. But thus saith the Lord, In this day, I am searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. How I will raise up a new band. I will raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness. And the light will dispel the darkness and the truth will set men free. And prayer will break the bonds that bind men's minds and spirits and bodies. Hallelujah. Yea, there are those who will learn to take their place hurriedly. It must be hurriedly. It must be. Quickly, it must be that they learn. That they enter in quickly to stand against the forces of darkness and evil. That will try and come against the land. Against the church. Against the home. That would try and disrupt and destroy all that is good. And all that God has endorsed. See right there is Psalm 11. Let me read it. And that's exactly what, I mean, it, this could have been spoken this week. 
They're coming against the foundations. How did he word it here? All that is good and all that God has endorsed. Now, you got to, I'm going to give you the context of Psalm 11. It's written by David. This was written during the time when he was being persecuted by Saul. And if he'd have been caught, he would have been murdered. If you, I mean, that, that's the time, that's what was going on when he wrote this. So, at, if you can picture the time when David and his men are hiding in caves. And anyway, you know that whole story during that time? David says, in the Lord put I my trust. How say you to my soul? How, how would you say to me? Flee as a bird to your mountain. See, in that spirit that's running through America right now is saying, Christian, just shut up, be quiet, and go home. How say you to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? For lo, the wicked bend their bow. They make ready their arrow upon the string, that they may privily shoot at the upright in heart. Boy, here it is. If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now let's pause right there. You talk about foundations. They're teaching our kids in school not to even trust whether they're a boy or a girl. How much, how foundational can you get? I mean, it doesn't get much more foundational than that. And we could go on and on and on with the things that are happening. Verse 4, the Lord... Now, what's the answer? What can the righteous do? That's the question. You've got to remember something. Verse 4, the Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold. His eyelids try the children of men. In other words, he is fully aware of what's going on. He knows what's going on. The Lord trieth the righteous, but the wicked, and him that loveth violence, his soul hateth. Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire and brimstone, and a horrible tempest. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the righteous Lord loveth righteousness, and his countenance does behold the upright. Well, we are the upright. When it says his countenance, that's talking about his face. At the, yes, sir. At the end of Malachi, go to Malachi, right before Matthew. I'm not prepared, and he doesn't care. I didn't know we were going to do this today. Now, what I'm after is verse in chapter 3 of Malachi. What we're after is verses 16 through 18. But let's start in verse 13. He said, Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet you say, Well, what have we spoken so much against thee? You have said it, it, it's vain to serve God. And what profit it that we kept his ordinance and that we have walked mournfully before the Lord of hosts? Now we call the proud happy 
Yea, they that work wickedness are set up. Boy, if that's not our country right now. <laughs> they that work wickedness are set up. Yea, they that tempt God are even delivered. And the church was saying this. The people were saying this. But now look at verse 16. This is the person. This is you. <laughs> then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. They that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord, and they that thought upon his name. Oh, I love this. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Right now I'm hearing that verse. The Lord knows those that are His. And that everyone that names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. He says, They shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, now get this, and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serves him. Don't think the Lord's not watching. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and him that serves him not. See, that's revival, where you shall see it. You shall be able to tell. Next book over, Matthew 5. Right when he finishes the Beatitudes. Now again, he had me, and during this season of pruning, he had me teach First John. I believe the next series after that was the God of War. It's pretty short. But then the next one was the Sermon on the Mount. And it pruned my path even more. If you have not heard Sermon on the Mount, you need to hear that series. But as soon as he finishes the Beatitudes, look at verse 13, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. See, salt preserves. If the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. But notice, you are the light of the world. A city, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Now that phrase has been used for to describe America from the time that the first ships came from England. And the Christians were coming across in those ships to this country. I believe the man's name is Winthrop. I could be wrong about that, the man that penned this line. But anyway, that's not important. What is important he was describing the United States, the land, well, at that time, America, where they were coming. He said, because they were intended to serve God here and to preach the gospel here. He said, this land shall be like a city set on a hill for all the world to see. And that's exactly, I think, what God's plan was for America. God, I noticed that again. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, 
but on a candlestick. And it's supposed to give light to all the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, I'm beholding with my eyes in my lifetime the absolute destruction of our country. And they are attacking the foundations in ways that I never thought I would see in my lifetime. It amazes me that educated people can think these things are okay. But see, the Bible is still true. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Proclaiming themselves to be wise, they became fools. And you can just read Romans chapter 1 and watch the progression. Once they decided, even though they once knew God, they didn't, they didn't want to retain Him in their memory. Why? Because they didn't want to live holy. Well, you can watch the progression, and it ends with women. I'm not going to do it that way. Let me just read it. Go to Romans 1. It shows you the when you get to the end, <laughs> it tells you. Okay, we'll start in verse 20. We'll start in verse 18. <laughs> start in Genesis 1. Dave has trained me so well, it's really hard for me to read any scripture without the context. Verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth. Now, see, when it says who hold the truth, they know it. In America, you not only have a Bible, you probably got several translations on your phone, much less in your house. Here's the truth. Whoa. Hmm. What was that? (laughs) Thank you, Lord. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be made known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Here we go. Because that when they knew God, say that out loud. When they knew God. Say it this way. They knew God. They knew God. But they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, their hoper, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That's the leadership in this country right now. They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie. I'm hearing this, so I'm going to interject it right here. Malachi, God plainly says, why did he make them male and female? 
Why? So he could have godly seed. Godly seed. God has a reason for making a male and female. To produce children that would be raised to know God. That was the plan. It still is the plan. Who changed, that's the truth, but they changed it into a lie. And worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause. What cause? They changed the truth of God into a lie. And worshipped the creature more than the Creator. For this cause. God gave them up unto vile affection. See, boy, you'll get stoned if you say this. <laughs> you talk about not politically correct. Vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving themselves that, that recompense of their error which was meet. So even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. See, we were supposed to be a city set on a hill. We were supposed to be so different that anybody in darkness that wanted the light would know where to come. We were supposed to be the light and the salt of this whole culture, not just in church. We're supposed to be light and salt on the school boards, light and salt uh, at the all government levels, light and salt as mayors and as governors and just anywhere, position, positions of authority or, or on your job. On your job. I heard Mario Murillo says, the reason we're in this mess, we did not get enough people saved. Now, that is the absolute truth. I don't mean church going. I mean saved. Oh, boy. Only got two minutes here. Right here. There's three more paragraphs of Dad Hagen's prophecy. I'm going to read it this time without comment, and then we'll be done for this morning, okay? Because the flow is important. The end of the age is coming upon this generation. The powers of darkness, the forces of evil are rampant as never before. And they will be increased in intensity and velocity. And even many Christians will see and look upon these things and say, Oh, there is no use. And throw up their hands in futility and say, Well, I guess it's all over. We'll just have to hold on and pray for Jesus to come shortly because the devil is about to take over everything. Well, that's the natural hope. We got to, we got to hope against that hope. No comment. But thus saith the Lord. In this day I am searching the body of Christ to enlist soldiers. I will raise up a new band. I'll raise up a new army who will know how to pray against the powers of darkness. The light will dispel the darkness and the truth will set men free. And prayer will break the bonds that bind men's minds and spirits and bodies. Hallelujah. Yea, there are those who will learn to take their place hurriedly, and it must be hurriedly. It must be. Quickly, it must be that they learn. That they enter in quickly to stand against the forces of darkness and evil that would try and come against the land, against the church, against the home, that would try and disrupt and destroy all that is good 
and all that God has endorsed. And that's where we ended. But the hand of the Lord is upon those who will listen. And at the urge of God in the Spirit to those who are attentive, they will pray. The Spirit of God will help you to pray. Do not try to do it yourself. How are you going to do that? How do you pray when you're not doing it yourself? For the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. One more paragraph. There, though there must be labor on your part, yet at the same time rest in Him. Let the Spirit flow through you like a river. And he's talking in the context of prayer. And not you doing it yourself. Now there's times when the Holy Spirit will tell you what to say in your known language. But the vast majority of the time, we're going to let the Spirit flow like a river. Because he knows what to pray. He says, let them escape your lips. Take the time to get alone and wait. Has anybody been hearing any messages? about 1980. Sometimes, not even saying anything, but on the inside of you, there is an agony, an agonizing. It's so on me today, I'm having issues, but I'm fine. But it's intercession. It's a groaning there. There is a flowing out of your spirit by the Holy Spirit to the Great Spirit, the Father of Spirits. And thou shalt be sustained. We need to praise right there. Thou shalt be sustained. Thou shalt be kept. And thy family and thy home will be sure and stand fast. And thy children shall grow up strong and stalwart in the Lord. And they shall have no fear. One more time. Massage your hoper. Now see the building filled. Every chair occupied, even the ones that are currently stacked against the wall. See all of them down on the floor. All of them full. And now standing room only all the way around the walls here and the altar full. That area over there, people are being healed. This area over here, people are said being delivered. And the altars are getting saved. Glory to God. There is your image. There is your image. It is time to believe.